Welcome to the Inclusive Education Project. I'm Vicki Brett. I'm Amanda Salohi. We're two civil rights lawyers on a mission to change the conversation about education, civil rights, and modern activism. Each week, we're going to explore new topics which are going to educate and empower others and give them a platform to enact change in education and level the playing field. Welcome back, listeners. We are at the end of April when this episode drops, and we're feeling that like summer itch here in California for sure. (laughs) I feel like May to September, October is like summer now. It is, but I feel like these winters, or because we had such a wet winter here, I'm like, I'm still like this morning it was drizzling, and I'm like, can it be spring already? I understand April showers bring May flowers, but we had showers for the last four months give me sunshine (laughs) i know and with that we know you guys are having your kind of end of year iep meetings and where we'll get back to our eligibility series for may which is mental health awareness month we have a lot uh planned for may but today we wanted to introduce you guys to shonda hinton she is a disability advocate and the founder of the shonda center for health in denver and we're really excited to talk to her because a lot of the disabilities that sometimes a man and I talk about in our experiences may be developmental. Obviously, we have autism, things like that. And although we have children with physical disabilities, and we have a couple episodes about PT-based services that a school district can provide, we were hoping to have Shana on today to kind of talk about her center and just the importance of our medical rights. Shonda, thank you so much for coming on to our podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to have a conversation about um, just disability, the advocate component to it. I um, really sit in the space of healthcare, so I'm really excited to talk about how that intersects with our independence and our everyday lives, and I'm just really honored to be here, so thank you. Thank you for agreeing to come on. Do you want to give our listeners a little bit of background? Yeah, I'd love to. I actually have a spinal cord injury, so I have a physical disability myself. And with, I was injured when I was nine, I was accidentally shot in the back of the neck. So um, it severed my spine between the C5, C6 area. And so I do have a spinal cord injury and I am paralyzed from the chest down. And so I function Mm -hmm. independently with the use of a powered chair, like Mm -hmm. modified vehicle, a service dog, great social networks of people that really, you know, are in my space to really allow that independence to be reality. And so with that, my journey has really threw me, which I I would say a lot of the listeners probably of yours, like we spend a lot of time with our disabilities in healthcare. And as we talk about healthcare, it's, I'm really interested in, you know, or I'm really excited to share the work that we're doing as it relates to how that all occurs. And so that's a little bit about my personal self and I'm excited to tell more about the center and how we... That was going to be my next question. I really did want to kind of talk about your center for health, which, you know, talk about the name, like, and you kind of already, you know, touched the surface of its importance. But yeah, can you tell our listeners about the center? Yeah. So here, here in Lakewood, Colorado, Denver, Colorado, we, it's the Chana Center for Health. And so what we do is that we provide all underneath one roof, um, acupuncture, massage, chiropractic, physical therapy, care coordination, 
behavioral health services, dental services, all underneath one roof with the strong structure of disability competent healthcare. So it means that as people come to our center, there's this level of comfort around the center being built uh, to meet their needs. And so there's not barriers of parking. There's not barriers of getting mm. housing. There's not barriers of having eye contact at the front desk and accessible bathrooms and going into a treatment room where they can actually get on the treatment table because our staff or our providers have been trained with transfers. And so this level of like just coming into healthcare and redefining healthcare because we have been accustomed to healthcare not being accessible. And so as we've made it accessible, it's been amazing to see what it's done for our consumers. But at the same time, we also get the brunt of like, this is not what we get to experience when we go to other clinics and other services that we need. And so that's the kind of the groundwork of our center. And then obviously we advocate to ensure that that model is just not our model, but that it's definitely taken on by other entities. Yeah, I mean, we see it in the realm that we deal with, right? We have special education, right? We, we love to label things and, and everything is from the perspective of, you know, a typical kid. What a typical kid is, I've asked teams, can you describe a typical kid? Because like, I don't know how you can, <laughs> but <laughs> it's this perspective of education, reading, writing, and arithmetic for the typical kid. And instead of just trying to put on the perspective or the lens, I should say, put on the lens of, how do we make this accessible to all, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, yeah. how do we do that? So I love that that not only providing a center, but also wanting to kind of change healthcare, that being a mission of the center, I think is really important. Oh, it's essential. And I, you know, as I was a, a student, you know, with a disability when I was young, I remember having my particular plans and it was Sometimes it was funny because I had this some there's, you know, I had resistance in that space because I was like, wait, I want to be like all the other kids, right? Like, I don't want a special plan. But then at the same time, that special plan, when we can really advocate and have good plans, it's it really can enhance our academic, you know, outcome. And so I appreciate what you guys do. And, you know, at the center, I think that our advocate component is that we really want to advocate for accessibility to be available, yes, within the healthcare community. But like you just mentioned, it's really essential to be, we need to have disability competence in so many layers of our society. And quite frankly, I think that we've come a long way. And at the same time, we're very far behind, which there, I get a little bit like I'm blown away by some of the, wait a second, that's still a reality. Yeah, Um, Yeah. it is really hard, you know, We definitely see this as something that not enough people talk about in the the general scheme. Like, obviously, there are people with disability advocates, people in our space who are, we talk about it every day, right? But the normal jargon, I mean, it wasn't until President Biden was in office that disability rights was even a topic, a state of address, or really on the forefront of political platforms. It's really sad that it has taken so long for us to get here. And yet we still have so far to come. And I think the first kind of step that we always say is like, we need to get more people to understand like what the issues are and that the concept that a lot of people who don't have disabilities think about it as 
well, why should we give special treatment, right? We say special education or we say special services or supports. Everyone thinks, well, it's special, it's more. But what we're talking about is access, equal opportunities to access the same services, the same medical treatment, the same parking lot, the same building, the same, you know, activity as everybody else. And I don't understand why people don't get that. I think it's very a person-centered approach. People think, well, what about me? Rather than can we empathize and can we think about others? I really love that example. I think I just love it because I think that I've seen that we've seen that in community, right? I think that as disability advocates try to fight for um, just equitable, equal access, there is this um, very underlying perception that it's like we are trying to be treated differently. And I so thank you for bringing that up, because I think oftentimes as disability advocates, we almost forget how we're being perceived in some capacity because we are so in the trenches and fighting for just equal rights. And so I love that because I think that it does remind advocates as well as, you know, others to see a sense of the difference between it's not special, it's equality. And so Mm -hmm. thank you for saying that. I mean, you're preaching to the choir because we we could say the same thing about (laughs) your center. You know, Amanda and I talk about this a lot. You know, we how do you affect, you know, real lasting change, you know, a broad change. And part of the reason we have the podcast is to start conversations, right? Get the conversation going. And that's why we were excited to kind of have you on because it's not outside of, you know, anything that we've come across. We, we have clients, you know, that are on Medi-Cal, Medicaid, you know, and these different services and, you know, being able to use, you know, private insurance for this or that. And it's just one other thing. And it's just so hard, you know, it's just already so hard living day to day, especially through this pandemic, right? That's still going on. I know that supposedly it's going to have an end date, but it's like, we're still dealing (laughs) with this, right? And, you know, that kind of leads me to you know, you're the mission also of the center with disability and wellness, you know, I think it, you kind of touched on it, you know, you are spreading the message of how to live a purposeful life, right? And and advocate for yourself in your community. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, any activities or things that you want, you know, our listeners to hear to kind of take and use in their lives? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I feel as though just as you were speaking, the very strong message that was popping up for me is that I think that all of us really need to understand and believe is that we do have the ability to make effective change and Mm -hmm. systemic change. And Mm -hmm. I, I think that that's what a lot of us don't, I think, recognize that because, you know, in 2009, like I passed a bill in, in Colorado that now has Colorado Medicaid funding, acupuncture, massage, wow. and chiropractic services for a wide variety of folks with disabilities across the entire state. And so for me, it's like oftentimes I will get advocates from other states saying, hey, you know, why can't we get that in our state? Or And but I always remind people like you can do it like we like if I can do it, I, <laughs> I, I can do it. Anybody can do it. And yeah. so it's like, yeah. I just want to like. I think motivate and remind constituents and citizens like we do have the power to make systemic change. And for me, mm-hmm. I never I, I think the other tool that I love people to, to go away with is that when you look at a particular issue or problem, 
my mind always goes to, okay, how can I address it right now? But how can I also address it for a systemic level to which it that change will be sustainable, not just for me and the people today, but for the people of tomorrow and the future. And so mm-hmm. my mind naturally goes there. And I think that oftentimes, you know, nonprofits and organizations don't always go there because there is this kind of fear of it maybe being a lot of money to advocate or, yeah. and we don't, we don't spend any of our budget on very much of our advocate work. And so that's just my encouragement to people in all the realms around disability and education and healthcare and access. And so I think those are always usually the biggest pieces that I like people to always go away from as it relates to, you know, hearing my personal story and the work that we do as an organization. And when you are like within trying to even get like a bill like that passed, we've had some people in the past and come on and and kind of talk about like locally how they've been able to do that. What's one thing that you think would be something that if that's the end goal for someone, what's one of the first things that they should do? Is it kind of talking to like-minded people? Is it talking to somebody that's passed a bill like yourself? Like what would you have wanted somebody to tell you about that process? Well, it was funny because I actually had somebody help me through the process. And so, (laughs) yeah, yeah, right. But it was great because she was like, you know, I think the first thing is like looking at your network and saying, hey, who amongst my network has any connections to a public affairs or lobbyist, right? And then Mm -hmm. us, we got a hold of those folks and we just said, hey, we're a grassroots organization that needs to make some change. Like, can you donate your time? Because we can't use our dollars. So I think that's one piece and we've been really successful in that area. And so, but even if you can't have a lobbyist, it's go to your representative or your senator and they can most likely connect you with a lobbyist as well that would then donate their time. And so I've always, you know, because I've even had times where I've worked with the representative or the senator and, you know, our sponsor of our bill just saying like, so do we need a lobbyist? And usually mm-hmm. they're like, well, yeah, because it's going to make my life and your life easier. <laughs> yeah, so that just the navigation and the communication and all that. And so usually there's ways and resources in which you can make that happen. And oftentimes they know the players so well that they'll mm-hmm. strategize with you to make sure that your approach is successful. That's a, such a great tip. I never even thought about having lobbyists donate their time. That's not something I think we think about when we think about mm-hmm. lobbyists just mm-hmm. in general. So knowing that that's a thing and that, that there are people out there that are, are willing to do that and helpful is such a great first step, especially for small organizations who are really trying to make change. Because I mean, we've been there too. Like you get in this vicious circle of in order to gain influence, you need money. And in order to get money, you have to gain influence. And you're just in this, this loop. It's like, how do you get anything done if you're not one of those large multi-million dollar nonprofits, right? So I think being able to have another way in is wonderful. Yeah. And, you know, and it's interesting to think about how that system, again, and, and that's what I always say with, you know, the pro bono lobbyists is that it's sh- our agenda, our regulatory bill, all those should not be only driven by the organizations that have all the money, right? And mm-hmm. so it's like if, you're, if you're truly, you know, in sponsors and representatives, like if you're truly wanting to hear from your constituents and your citizens, you have to figure out 
how are you going to represent them in your role without there having to be money attached? Like it's, yeah, because there's no way, you know, organizations, some of them will ever be at that level. And it just, for me, is a kind of a, what do you call it? An integrity check for them to hear that from us, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, as we kind of wind down, is there anything else that you think our listeners is important for our listeners to kind of hear from your perspective about, you know, affecting change or, you know, making change happen or any kind of tips or tricks for people that are in a situation where they just, they don't even know where to start in terms of of change. And we always say it's baby steps, right? (laughs) But because you have been able to do so much, I I think it would be nice to kind of hear from you, you know, a pep talk, if you will, because we're at the end of our school year, getting close to the end Amanda and I are tired. Like, I can't imagine the parents out there too, you know? (laughs) Well, and it's so funny that you kind of ended it with that because I was going to take it a little bit to more of a human level to where I just want to say, I know that the work in this area and advocating, it is exhausting. And so as it's exhausting, it's, I think, just reminding yourself of ways to take care of yourself and know that, yes, like you had said at the beginning of the podcast, like we're waking up with disabilities and just navigating just caregivers, getting us out of bed and doing the routines that Mm -hmm. have to come with just living with a disability. And so to think and sometimes constantly be as an advocate role just within your personal life, but then yet then have to do that for a whole community that's where a lot of burnout happens. And I just really encourage people to, like you said, take the baby step steps. And it's kind of a weird saying, but like eating the elephant one bite at a time, right? Yeah. And, yeah. And celebrating the wins and the small wins, it doesn't have to be so big. And so I think that when you have some sort of, you know, reminder of you know, that integrity of the sense of, there's a lot of us out here advocating too. Like, don't think it's just on you. Like, get in touch with your ad- other advocate organizations. Be a part of a group because I think oftentimes when we advocate, it can be a lonely place if you're not in alignment or leaning on other groups to do that with. I think that's really great advice because it, it does feel lonely sometimes, right? But being able to kind of have that sense of community to help kind of lift you up is definitely one of the reasons why we have this podcast too. <laughs> yeah, is to try to reach new people, of course, but then, you know, really empower the people that this is an interest or even a passion for. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and about the center. How can people reach out to you if they have any questions or, or comments? Yeah. If you go onto the website, there's info at chandacenter.org and anyone can reach me there. We have a great staff that um, supports in various different ways around education and advocacy. And so info at chandacenter.org. Excellent. And I usually ask how to pronounce names And I did not. Shanda, (laughs) thank you so much for coming on. And I apologize for butchering your name before. It's all good. That's very sweet. Thank you so much. Hope you guys check out the center, you know, 
you could help create one here or wherever you are. <laughs> if a man and I had time, we would, but we don't. Yeah. <laughs> so we need your guys' help with that. But yep. anyway, hope you guys have a great rest of your week and we will talk to you soon. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.